0: You know how when you eat a marshmallow, you always wish it were toasted,
1: but you're still happy because it's a marshmallow? We're like that, but a video game podcast. We're the 3-Bit Gamer Show. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and download our show on iTunes and Google Play.
2: Introducing Nucleus, the Wi-Fi home intercom with auto answer. Nucleus allows you to connect with the people you love, whether they're downstairs or across the country. Learn more at nucleuslife.com.
1: Broadway Media Podcast Network.
2: Welcome to the Let's Go Eat show. Uh, so I'm sitting on my porch. It's a Sunday afternoon. I'm outside. It's a little rainy, not bad here. but uh, maybe you can hear the water dripping. Probably not Uh, Anyway, dripping off the roof Anyway, I'm sitting here recording an intro for the uh, Let's Go Eat show Where um, we interviewed uh, Will Bagley You can probably hear the traffic going by Uh, Will Bagley and Pat Bagley Now you know who Pat Bagley is, uh, a lot of you Uh, He's a political cartoonist for the Salt Lake Tribune And um, he's been a guest on the show before but he has a brother, Will Bagley, an older brother, who is a a noted historian. So I say noted historian, and you all say, "Well, I've never heard of him. Well, name me one historian you've heard of. Will Bagley is a uh, a Western historian. He writes about things in the West here, but particularly about the Mormon Church. And uh, I thought it might be interesting uh, or uh, enlightening. Uh, To get Will and Pat together And talk to them You know what was amazing about it is Will, the older brother The one you probably haven't heard of Is an incredible Intellect and it's quite clear To me that his brother Pat Who is also a very I I mean come on Pat's uh, Been nominated for A a Pulitzer Prize He's an award winning Political cartoonist It's Quite apparent to me that Pat, the younger brother, adores his older brother, Will, and thinks Will is the great intellect. They're both great. They are both great people, fascinating people, provocative people. I present you with the Let's Go Eat Show with uh, Pat Bagley, political uh, cartoonist for the Salt Lake Tribune and syndicated in many papers, and his, I hate to say it, Will, lesser known brother. But fascinating brother, Will Bagley, a historian and the sharpest thorn in the side of the Mormon church history establishment. Here we go. The Let's Go Eat show. Uh, Pat Bagley, Will Bagley. I'm Bill Allred. There it is. Go. What inspired me to want to do this somehow, because I, keep, I kept thinking of the two of you together, and I thought... You know, just how, what kind of a family did Will Bagley and Pat Bagley come from?
3: We were Uh, dysfunctional before dysfunctional families were a thing. All
2: right. Well, (laughs) okay. So uh, let's get started. If you want to put on your headphones, Pat, uh, do a proper introduction of our guests here. We're uh, recording this uh, Let's Go Eat show at uh, 50 West, uh, the club here uh, right on 50 West Broadway. And... uh, uh, we'll, we'll take a break in a second because Will is going to stand up until lunch is served, so <laughs> which will be in just a second. Okay, now let me introduce you. Then you correct me anything I say wrong. I think I know a little bit more about Pat than I do about Will, but let me. This is some stuff I looked up. Okay, Will Bagley, historian, has written more than twenty books, probably or twenty books at least. Written and edited. Pulled it right and, up close to your. Yeah.
3: Written and edited and published more than twenty-five.
2: Uh, and uh, he has uh, uh, won a lot of honors for his writings. There's a, uh, what's the like the Wallace Stegner? That's a pretty prestigious thing. You've won uh, Wall, Wallace Stegner fellow. What's your most? Yes, uh, what do you consider your most accomplished award?
3: Probably Western History Association. Western History Association. So which is like the MHA of. Historian
2: uh, Will Bagley, uh, probably what is your your yeah. one your most well known book, Blood of the Prophets. Yep, and that's about the Mountain Meadows massacre. Yep, yep. Uh, and uh, so so, and we'll talk about that coming up. Uh, and um, and also, he's been heralded as a. When do, I mean, when did you decide to become a thorn in the side of the Mormon historical <laughs> establishment?
3: <laughs> oh, I think we were. About ten. <laughs> You're ten years old. <laughs> yes. I, my my mother tells a story that, um, uh, the middle brother, the tax attorney, we don't talk about. Oh, I So what's his name? <laughs>
2: the black sheep. What what's his name? Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. Is he a conservative still? Yes.
3: Mm, very much. Right? No. He he's he's his his son's a leading uh, critic of Trumpism,
1: and. Well, he's a leading expert in uh, the ACA, the Affordable Ob- Obamacare. Care. Obamacare, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a law professor in uh, mm-hmm. Michigan. Okay.
2: And so, uh, so he's a, he's, uh, he's well, he's not a – well, he is a snowflake then. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, – and then I'm going to have a French fry. So, so is that just three brothers or do you have sisters too?
1: <laughs> we have a younger sister. Well. Yeah. yeah. Fourth, fourth child was a girl. And where is she? Uh, she's in Hawaii.
2: Uh, just living on the beach, or she, how's she doing? She's
1: got a clothing line that she developed. Really? Yeah. She's got a uh, son who is a world-class surfer.
2: Yep. Um, well, I was going to ask you about that. I saw that in one of the Wikipedia things. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. So that's Will Bagley, historian, um, very and uh, very well-known in historical circles and the people who read history here in Utah.
3: Yep. Well, uh, Carrie Bate, who has just published a fantastic uh, book about southern Utah called The Women. Uh, I just can't praise it enough. But he called me a fun and fearless historian.
2: That's that's a good compliment.
3: That's about the best compliment I could come up with.
2: And then, uh, of course, um, Pat Bagley, political cartoonist for the Salt Lake Tribune. For how many years, Pat? It's 39. It's coming up. On, I know. <laughs> Um, former LDS missionary. That's right. Graduate of B- BYU. That's right. Uh, winner of the Herb Block Prize. And yes. Just, and and a, a P- he was a really famous political cartoonist. I always thought his name was Herb Block, but his, it's his name was Herbert your Block. Here, His guys. name was Herb Block. Oh, there here. You go. So there you go. It was food. So, will have a seat and. Um, and then you were a finalist, uh, Pat Bagley, for the Pulitzer Prize. Yes, in 2014. Uh, so I guess then, uh, and then uh, Will, you want to put? You can put your microphone in the stand now. Now that that'll be it. Uh, if you need help, I'll turn can, it off. while he does it? Yeah, it'll get noisy. There while you, you go. Do that.
0: Right in there.
1: So. Um, but you didn't mention that I was an Eagle Scout as well.
2: Uh, well, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs>
1: you were you, you were really a straight arrow. Oh, I went to BYU. I did a mission to Bolivia, the whole nine yards. Yep.
2: Yeah, and a very straight arrow. Very very LDS, uh, and a very and a, because your father was uh, he was not a liberal man, was he?
1: Well, he was he was Republican when you could be a Republican and be a moderate or be a progressive Republican. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was back in the day where there was Senator Percy, Senator Hatfield. Uh, Rockefeller; these guys were progressives. A
2: Hap Rockefeller, yeah,
1: yeah. In fact, uh, George Romney, you know, uh,
2: uh, Mitt's dad, Mitt's dad, well,
1: mm-hmm. you know, uh, was in favor of uh, choice.
2: Yeah, Cho- uh, pro-choice, uh, pro-choice, fr-
1: pro-civil rights. Yeah. You know, very progressive. Yeah.
2: yeah, I don't. And it's it'd be too long to get into what happened to the damn Republican Party. So your dad was a moderate Republican. He was mayor of uh,
1: Oceanside, California, for a long time. Yeah, uh, th- three terms, three or four, yeah. t- three or four terms. Yeah.
2: Was it a and and uh, then you, then you I didn't you're, you said something Will about your mother dying early? Yeah. No, no.
3: She outlived. I thought she'd outlive us. And in 2009 on Labor Day, she went into the kitchen to mix up breakfast where was that in carlsbad california okay and she pull that mic a little closer a little closer, you, closer.
0: just the whole base mm-hmm. or yourself pull your butt closer than the mic. oh there we go uh, yeah
3: she dropped dead and didn't have she had her glasses in her hand and kevin got to idea her and he said she didn't have time to uh grasp the glasses so that's the perfect checkout right what think. kind
2: of a what kind of a woman was your mother
3: she She usually gave strokes she <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was thinking about this last night, but pat's a lot more like our dad, and i'm a lot more like our mom but i, I, I would, for mother's Day, I dug through the photos we got from her and my wife Laura digitized. And she was she was movie star good looking. Yeah. And she I think always wanted to be either Shirley Temple or Elizabeth Taylor. And she had the stuff to do it and she was very smart. Mm-hmm. But did she work outside the home? She became a public school teacher.
2: Oh yeah, you said that. And um she uh so how old was she when she dropped out in the kitchen? Eighty. Eighty.
3: Your and is your dad still around? He he died in
1: 2006. Yeah, he was 79 when he died. Yeah. No, he was 75. He? Was he? Yeah. No. I, well, okay. So,
2: so were they uh, California Mormons?
1: They uh, were born and raised in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And on my third birthday, uh, they took us three boys, and we all moved to Oceanside, California. Why? Because Dad could not find work in Utah, and people don't realize this, but Utah never really came out of the Great Depression, and up until the '60s and '70s, uh, economically Utah is very backwards. So to find, you know, to get <laughs> ahead,
3: <a>
1: <laughs> to get ahead, you had to get out of the, out of the state. Yeah. And he found this job as a draftsman with the uh, Oceanside City.
3: There was a huge population shift between. The poor inner mountain states in California, and the aerospace industry, and uh, all this other military industrial curse was making Southern California the place to make money.
2: Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> off you go, find more, and, and because and did they were they found the Mormon community in Oceanside and Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and were and. and um, You guys, growing up in Oceanside, and I get the feeling that, uh, Pat, you stayed with the church quite, quite. but Will, you just, at some uh, very early in life, just bagged it, right? I
1: I would like to know, there's some incident that you had with a young adult teacher or somebody that kind of soured you on the whole thing? No, no. Okay.
3: Anyway, Mom says, before we left Salt Lake... Kevin and I came to her one day and said, "And we lived right above the ward house uh, the East Mill Creek Ward house and I, I we told her that we were going to go down and get our names off the books
2: you and you and Kevin yeah
3: <laughs> it obviously didn't take <laughs> now, Kevin, now Kevin's still he stayed in the church no
2: no so so none of the kids Lisa did your daughter? Do- are your
3: sister in Hawaii She's, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She has no principles she 's a capitalist mormon <laughs> well, what is that? <laughs> well, that well that defines
2: no defines principles. Yeah. so so uh what uh, what drew drew uh, well will is taking a bite of food now, so uh uh-huh. um, when you finally really got away from the church when uh pat
1: uh, it was after I got back from my mission and I had a lot of you know questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, because my own experience was conflicting with what they told me I should be experiencing. When you were on your mission. Oh, yeah, on yeah. my mission, and, and then I got off, and uh, I, I just had a lot of conflicts with what they were telling me that I should be thinking and what I was actually experiencing. Uh-huh. And uh, so my break wasn't sudden. It was, it was gradual. And you, Will, mm-hmm. was, it seemed to me like it was just, the
2: way you talk about it, it was a pretty a pretty clear cut decision for you to just not be interested in the Mormon church at all anymore.
3: What caused it? um, It was the parochial and racist attitudes of Mormonism. And I... (laughs) And even even, even
2: in California, because, you know, those California Mormons, they're supposed to be way more liberal than Utah Not mountains. in
3: northern, Ca- northern San Diego County. No. They were a rural Mormon heritage, most of us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, you know, the the, the trouble is, with racism is tough because if you actually meet people that you're, you're supposed to hate, it's very hard to hate them. And... California is, of course, a wonderful mixing pot, and Utah wasn't. It was easy for the Mormons to be racist in the nineteen fifties because in Utah, nobody knew any Mormons.
1: Well, we had we had cousins who would come visit us, and they would pace their faces against the car windows, looking. You know, like yeah. And going, what are you looking at?
2: And they said, there are black people here. Yeah, hey. I know. I mean, I grew up here in Utah, and it was. I think, I think maybe there was one black kid or two black kids in my whole
3: high school, or
1: maybe. Well, BYU, when I was down there, there was one black guy on campus. Mm-hmm, you know, 25,000 right. students. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. So, but, uh,
3: but anyway, when, when I went to elementary school at East Mill Creek Elementary, there was one black kid in the school, and his name was Flake. And he was a descendant of Brigham Young's slave, Green Flake. And it shows you how uh, insulated Utah was.
2: Now, how many people know, even now, and you're a historian and you've written about it, that Brigham Young had a slave?
3: Had, had se- several slaves. Oh. <laughs> I no, mean, they, they,
2: they don't know about it even now.
3: No, right? no. And Utah was the only slave territory that had a, a regular legislation uh, legalizing the trade in human beings. Was it was it common for other
2: um, people here in the valley to have s- slaves? Wealthy people when Brigham
3: Young was around. Not a lot, but there were some prominent people like William Hooper of Hooper Town up north. Yeah, uh, he was a Southerner, Marylander. I think kind. it's Hooper, isn't it? It's Hooper, oh.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but. Wealthy Southerners did, and they yeah. were largely sent to "quote unquote" Dixie, and some of them had been real slave drivers, real murderous, raping mm-hmm. uh, abusers. And then and, they joined the Mormon Church, and you pr- you point that out, and you have all these uh, nimbuses come out of the walls defending God's Church. Mm-hmm. Was it t- surprising to you? By the way, <clears throat> just to talk about Dixie for a
2: second. Um, so they sent the uh, the Mormons down to the southern part of the state, and they were going to grow cotton down there, and yep. uh, and I think they did <clears throat> or tried to, and, <laughs> and they
3: could process it <clears throat> in Brigham Young's cotton factory. <laughs> yeah,
2: and they so they did that, and uh, and there is uh, and then there was Dixie State College, and there the it was the Dixie State Rebels. <laughs> So did it surprise you when they decided, so we're going to become a university and we're going to change, maybe we should change the name? And I thought for sure that they would change the name of that school. I forget what some of the, you know, Southern, whatever, whatever the other name alternatives were. I thought for sure they would ditch that name because they were trying to put that heritage behind them. They took that statue down. Yep. That had uh, that yeah. had rebel soldiers on it and mm-hmm. all that. But they didn't change the name, and that really surprised me.
3: That's heritage. Uh, it's our racist heritage, and we will die to protect it. <laughs> you, you're, are you bitter, Will? <laughs> Good, right.
2: You, uh, I mean, you, um... You write a law I mean you write about this history uh, and do you, do you I mean is it you what I mean what is your purpose what is your intention when you do it
3: I love it and I like telling human stories, and Utah is full of them, but I, I, I always I, I often go back to a doctor's overland journal in 1852 and he shows up in Salt Lake a month before the, the, the apostles admit oh yeah we've been denying this for years but we actually are we're not only practicing polygamy we're really good at it mm-hmm. um, but he he comes in and like everybody else he's heard what awful people the Mormons are and he talks to them and trades with them and he goes these Mormon people aren't half bad after all. Sure. And then he goes up and hears Heber C. Kimball and uh, Brigham Young rant, and that's the word he uses. And so at the end of his Salt Lake visit, he says, these Mormons are fine, but their leaders are a complete set of scoundrels. And to this day, it is a complete set of scoundrels who run the corporation of the president for their own personal profit. So, I don't resent. I, I like Mormons. I am a Mormon. You're a Mormon by heritage and by culture. Well, it's like being Jewish, except I'm no. <laughs> no. But, you know, uh, it, I, I can't deny that's what I am. No. And... I have a, a deep gratitude for what I did learn mm-hmm. about public speaking. And uh, it taught me a lot of lessons in thinking independently and questioning authority. Uh, not intended lessons, maybe. But, um, you know, you don't write uh, a 16-volume a documentary history of the Mormons uh, because you don't like it. Yeah.
2: We, uh, so, Will uh, is your older brother, Pat. That's right. And he didn't... <clears throat> di- di- didn't you listen to him when he was telling you all of this stuff? When I <laughs> mean, because you, you were still I- adhering to the program, and he'd already gone down that road.
1: Well, Will is seven, eight years older than I am, and so he pretty much ignored me. I mean, I was just the little brother that... <laughs> Six, Six years, but <laughs> <Don't laughs> make me older than I am. <laughs> so I would watch Will interact with my parents or or with Kevin, the other older brother. Uh, but our interactions were—I uh, don't know—he was just older. He was he was a different generation. Are
2: were your interactions with your your, your parents um, your, your interactions with your parents? Will must have been pretty contentious a lot of times over all of this.
3: Yes, <laughs> I was thinking about maybe riffing on the the old Smothers Brothers. Mom always liked you best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fact is, Mom didn't like any of us. <laughs> <laughs> not, not Kevin, and not what's your what's your
1: sister's name? Well, Lisa Lisa, Lisa. Lisa. Lisa and Mom had a lot in common. They they shared quite a bit.
2: No. Um, so what brought the two of you? Back to Salt Lake school. Well, let's let's Whoa, uh, let's what? pause the story
0: right there. You guys yeah. are coming back to Salt Lake, but we have to take a break, a little break, and we'll be back in a minute.
2: Okay,
3: good. We can eat tacos. Right.
2: It's time for technology to give you more family time, not less introducing nucleus the wi-fi home intercom with auto answer call from room to room or home to home with no monthly fees no more yelling up and downstairs and no more struggling to set up skype calls with grandma and grandpa nucleus is available today at nucleuslife.com use code GoEat to get a special discount so is that a word from our that was, a word, that was from a, our, a word from our sponsor. Our fine sponsor. I'm very happy to have them here. So uh, back with uh, Pat Bagley and Will Bagley on the Let's Go Eat show. Pat Bagley, uh, 39 years uh, cartoonist for the uh, Salt Lake Tribune. Will Bagley wrote your first book. What uh, so, And make sure you get up close to the microphone. W- wrote your
3: first book when, Will? Oh, I think I wrote my first book when I was six. I really, really, literally. Well, yeah, okay. I wanted to be a writer from the out, out of the gate. Uh, did fiction or? You know, everybody starts out wanting to be a novelist. You've written mm. a novel or two, haven't you? Yes. That's been, I mean, it's been pub, uh, published. I, I'm working on a novel. It's never been published. Oh. I did win a Utah original writing contest prize for... Uh, it was second place best novel.
0: Huh. Was there a was there one book you read when you were really young, or one story you heard, or was there something that made you go, "I want to do that"?
2: Huckleberry Finn. Yeah.
0: Sure. Sure.
2: I knew you'd say that because, th- and I guess it's true. I read this. You made you built your own raft, Will Bagley,
3: with friends,
2: uh, and then went down the Mississippi on it. Yep. What, how old were you when you did that?
3: Nineteen. To talk about that a little bit.
2: How, how long a trip was it? It's an amazing adventure.
3: That's it was amazing. 1,400 miles. Jesus. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> when we started out, we thought, well, we can, we'll just get out in the current and float down to <laughs> New Orleans. be easy. And fortunately, by, you know, luck is a wonderful thing to have. And I've long called myself the world's luckiest historian. But I wouldn't be alive if I wasn't lucky. And so we contacted this guy named John Adams, who had a marina at Rock Island, Illinois. And he let us have space to build the raft. He explained to us that we couldn't just go out and catch the current because we built a raft out of 28 feet long and 9 feet wide and floated on... Fifty-gallon oil drums, mm-hmm. and he sold us a Johnson Seahorse twenty-eight horsepower, a twenty-eight horsepower Johnson Seahorse, <laughs> a little outboard uh, motor. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it was underpowered, but it definitely did the job. Um. And he, he Huckleberry he, Finn didn't have a Johnson outboard motor. <laughs> no, he did He got run over by a. Uh, steamboat too. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but then he used his gantry to lift it up off the blocks we were building it on, and take it over and dump it into the the harbor. And we chugged out.
2: How many of you were there?
3: We started out with six. We soon soon got down to five. And then, and it was 1969, and in St. Louis, we went and saw Easy Rider. And, uh, Put into port at St. Louis, and, and once we got south of Cairo, where the Ohio comes in, uh, everybody abandoned ship at Caruthersville, <laughs> Missouri, <laughs> and there was just me and Susie, and uh, we we kept going. Um, and it was what I what I was doing at the time was. I was trying to recreate the 19th century because I felt that suburban life was completely soulless Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted some real experience and I hated BYU so much I went for one year that I, (laughs) I was going to... Join the Marines. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you. It was 1969, was and yeah. you wanted some real experience. You could have gone
2: to Vietnam. Why didn't you do that? Well, I, I tried, but my dad wouldn't sign the enlistment papers. <laughs> Why? I didn't
3: know that. <laughs> it, it well, he, he, he made a very good argument. He says, look, um, you'll be 18 uh, in six months, and you ought to get a year in college because – You'll you'll do much better in the service, and he bit, he was a navy vet, so mm-hmm. he knew. And I missed my big chance. But then, when I turned eighteen, um, I went down to the draft registration. Newhouse at, Hotel. No, it used no. to be next to Snappy Snappy Lunch. Oh. oh yeah. Uh, on State and First South.
2: I did mine at the old Newhouse Hotel.
3: And I told him to transfer it to San Diego. Well, guess what? What were the two least functional draft boards in America? Missionary Central in Salt Lake and an old Navy town called San Diego. Mm. And I never heard anything from Uncle Sam again about my <laughs> draft status.
2: Huh. Hmm. I just lost you. They lost
3: it. Yeah, well, it got torpedoed because the uh, draft boards were probably not intentionally deep-sixing it at one end or the other.
2: So how old were you, uh, were you? You were just a little kid when he was rafting down the—did you know he was rafting down the Mississippi path?
3: Oh, yeah, I did.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, Will really is kind of the soul of the 60s, <laughs> uh, you know, when society was coming apart and— Will brought uh, uh, Bob Dylan albums into the house and, you know, mom just could not tolerate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, the whole hippie stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I was observing all this where Will was the counterculture. You know, he was the embodiment of it. And, you know, he couldn't stand to live in suburban America and he, you know, floats down the Mississippi and then he go goes and, and lives on some cabin in North Carolina on some mountaintop. Um. And talking to my parents, we talked to my parents. He was lost. You know, he was just gone. Yeah. You know, he had no future. Yeah.
2: Well, and look. Well, well he there. did. <laughs> He's still look, look, here. Look what, look what happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's. Uh, uh, and you, did you, what did you think about all of it? Did you, uh, Well, I guess,
1: you, I guess that will was a cautionary tale. You know, you don't want to go down that route. And you didn't <laughs> want to do it, so you <laughs> it, kind of stuck with the program. Well, I wanted to be safe. I wanted to be very safe, you know, and the church seemed a safe way to go. And so I, you know, did, I went to BYU, I did the mission. Um. But the reason I ended up in Utah, finally, was. Oh, yeah,
2: was, why did you guys come back here and stay here? You know,
1: growing up in Southern California at that time, it was heaven. I mean, you know, 60s and the surfing and, and the beaches was just great. But I'd come back to visit Utah with my parents, and we'd come back every spring, every Easter, about this time, because their family was here. The family still, is still here, yeah. you know, cousins and aunts and uncles, uh, grandparents, and Utah was exotic. I mean, it had seasons; the leaves changed. It had snow. You know, none of that happened in Southern California. Right. Southern California was the same all the time, yeah. and so it appealed to me.
2: And how about you, Will? Why did you end up back here?
3: Legal troubles. <laughs> <laughs> Who was after you? They got me. <laughs>
1: Nobody was chasing me. But
3: I had a chance to pick a, any place in the U.S. to go, and I, picked, and I said, well, our grandparents, are, Frank and Cassie, our grandparents were getting old.
1: they they a good old Mormon stock from way back? Oh, Mormon Bishop, uh, he did a mission in Hawaii in 1918.
2: Yeah, my grandfather Allred w- did a yeah. mission in Hawaii. Probably about that time, maybe a little earlier. Probably knew each other. Uh, he, mm-hmm. Yeah, he God, he could he loved that place Hawaii. He called, Hawaii. Hawaii. They could, oh, yeah, they could
3: speak it. <laughs> These guys were yeah. dedicated. Yeah. Uh,
2: Pan Mormons. oh, yeah, yeah. he loved uh, that. Was one of the biggest. Ex- I think maybe the biggest
3: experience of his life in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Grandpa ate poi. Until he died at age one hundred. Well, they kept him alive. So anyway, you're. you're so
2: they were here. All this. Uh, and uh, you, and what do you mean you 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 had to pick somewhere and uh, legal problem? I didn't quite understand all that. <laughs> I'm
3: not going to elaborate. Oh on. come on.
2: <laughs> no. Let's I'm,
3: say I was accused of manufacturing marijuana, okay. and in fact, all I was doing was growing a little bit of pot. Okay. And so, so you, you had a choice of jail or leaving North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let the sun
2: set on your ass here in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: So, um, and I, what I, I, I'd actually been living in Appalachia and learning uh, traditional folk music and bluegrass music. And I realized that I'd never be home in... The Smoky Mountains, because it was very closed culture. But I knew there was one place where they couldn't run me out, and that was Zion. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: <clears throat>
2: <clears throat> because you had your place here to become I, I was, a thorn was in the here. side. Yeah. And to become a thorn in the side of the Mormon historical establishment. Yep. That's, um, there the any? sharpest thorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. I wrote that down. The sharpest thorn. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, I mean, you were always interested in history. And uh, uh, did you? You said you went to BYU for a year. Where, did you finish uh, any uh, uh, formal education, uh, uh, college
3: education? Yeah, I, I graduated from the University of California at Santa Cruz oh. between Richard White, who is now the most prominent western historian of his generation and patty limerick Uh, and i was right between the two of them and um they're famous and i'm not (laughs) and they both won macarthur grants and i
2: haven't (laughs) you seem pretty cheery about that though resigned
3: Well, I, I look at the other side of how fortunate I've been, and you know, it, attitude is everything. I could look at my life and, <laughs> and think I'm living on Social Security. I uh, am thoroughly disrespected th- throughout the Mormon historical establishment,
2: which is a, ba- a, pro- a badge of honor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you, I mean, you, you sure
3: you, you assume you you presume that. It's how, you got, it's how you approach it. The hardest thing is I have type 1 diabetes. And that's bankrupted me because of our for-profit medical system, which I despise because it is predatory and evil. Um, we are idiots that we put up with being extorted monthly by a, a greedy medical establishment. And we get crap service, unless, of course,
1: we're rich or in Congress. Well, actually, the medical establishment is pretty good. It's the financial establishment behind it that is making this a for-profit industry.
2: I don't know why, and I've been on this rant a lot in the last few years. I don't understand, I'll just say it again, why people can't see the virtue of a one-payer health care system and that one-payer being the government, because... You, you, when you when you have that kind of power, and and if if we just got rid of all the insurance companies, yeah, and had the mm-hmm. had the had the federal government be that person that entity you paid uh, that paid for medical care, it would still be an infinitesimally I mean it'd be a very small part of the federal budget. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it would it would be a small part of the Federal budget if the if they just if the Federal Government just said we're gonna pay for everybody's health care.
1: Well, other countries who have national health care, which is practically every other industrial well, all of them. You know, all the, advanced, all the advanced first world mm-hmm. countries have national health care. Yeah. And they pay half of what we do and they get better better outcomes. And
2: it's because that big one payer entity can say to people who do MRIs no, we're not gonna pay fifteen hundred dollars for that they can say to the big drug companies no we're not going to pay you that much for that drug here's what you will here is the price that we will pay you for that drug and the cost of um, uh, of medical care across the board just goes down like immediately yeah and and it's not that doctors are evil people uh they they are say they they say to the insurance companies well we're going to this is what we're charging because they know the insurance companies are going to say talk them you know and it just they if the doctors didn't have to deal with the insurance companies they'd be happier mm-hmm. and and then people need to ask themselves one other thing why is it that the probably the top lobbyist in every single state is an insurance and is the insurance industry they the insurance industry pays local politicians more money than
3: any other what Politician in Congress in 2010, when they passed Obamacare, got more money from the insurance industry than anybody else. I know the answer to and this which one. Which congressman torpedoed the quote unquote government option, which anybody but an idiot would have named yeah. Medicare for everyone? Tell him Which congressman? Tell them. Uh, Jim Matheson.
2: Yeah.
3: Mr. Paid I Off. I know. <laughs> now, A Democrat. A the Democrat, pro- yep. Alleged Democrat. <laughs> the problem is integrity, and that's the problem. That's what's destroyed the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. Money. Bernie Sanders says it very eloquently that what happened to the Democrats was money, thanks to the Clintons. And when, when, our, when our father retired as, after three terms as mayor—
2: was it? Yeah, uh, and yeah, he didn't make a lot of money being mayor. I don't think and not
3: much at all. Yeah, but uh, we had. A, remember the event at the Country Club? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And
2: his retirement
3: party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had two separate contractors come up to me and say, "Your dad was the only honest politician I ever met." <laughs> One of them said he was the only. I tried to bribe him. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> the only politician I couldn't buy. And when Grant Bagley, our grandfather, died, Scott Matheson wrote a letter saying uh, to to my, my our dad and our S- uncle Scott Matheson, former governor of Utah, mm-hmm. our last great governor, mm-hmm. um, said uh, Grant was the most e- most ethical attorney i ever met and i believe that part of what and matt scott matheson was an attorney as well oh yeah yeah. he knew the law yeah he'd been attorney general and everything but I, i think part of the bagley brand is integrity and various establishments have tried to intimidate me and i'm not buying it um let me ask you both about that
2: intimidation. Uh, I, I think we talked about this a little bit, Pat, uh, when I interviewed you before. Uh, has anybody ever tried to intimidate you into not running a, a political cartoon that you've done? Any, um, your employer?
1: Intimidate. I, uh, try, to, to, asked you not to do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that has happened. I they mean, tell, uh, <laughs> They tell him not to do it. <laughs> what happens
2: when they tell you not to do it?
1: They they let me do anything I want, but it is their newspaper, and they get to say what goes into it. So right. they have to approve every cartoon that goes into the paper. And
2: you've had some rejected?
1: I have had a few that have been rejected, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. What? How does that make you feel? Uh,
1: well, I think if I'm doing my job, I should be pushing the boundaries, you know, mm-hmm. and if everything is, is acceptable, I'm not doing it right. Can you tell, give us an example about one that was... Well, there there was one cartoon that I did, and it was when the Salt Lake Tribune had been embarrassed because some of our reporters sold a story to the National Enquirer, and it was about well, Elizabeth I remember, Smart. I yeah. remember that, yeah. And I thought, and I was thinking, if this was the Desert News, I'd be all over this, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but I thought so. Fair's fair. Yeah, you know, I should do something about the Salt Lake Tribune. You and should go out. You should make a comment about mm-hmm. those reporters. I should make a comment about the Salt Lake Tribune and how mm-hmm. you know we we you know kind of screwed up in this in this mm-hmm. way. And so I did the uh, rough sketch and I gave it to the editorial page editor, and he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't go with it. So that's that's one example.
2: And uh, yeah. okay,
1: now just the other day, I, I did this cartoon and I thought. You know, we're owned by the Huntsman. Um, Paul Huntsman is my publisher, and I did this cartoon about John Huntsman, Jr., uh, you know, be- becoming the Russian, the ambassador to Russia.
2: Yeah, that ran, didn't it? Yeah, well,
1: the thing is, I did this, and I thought, he's never going to let this go. Yeah. You know, absolutely not. You know, it's got, it's got uh, Trump stinking up a bathroom, right? Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right, yeah.
2: Yeah, there's Trump stinking up a bathroom, and uh, 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 Huntsman is standing outside. And, and what is— it's, uh, it says Russia the then it says, And then it says your turn or something like It's that. all yours. Yeah, go yeah. on in there. <laughs> it's all <laughs> yours.
1: <laughs> so, I, They I just, ran it, and they ran it. And they ran it. it. But I did a rough draft, and I gave it to Paul Huntsman. I thought, he's never going to go for this. He'll yeah. cool. never go for this. It's his brother. Yeah, and his brother. And and he gave me the thumbs up, you know, so you never cool. know. Cool. I think that's great. Yeah.
2: I, that, that,
1: that family seems to
2: have a certain amount of integrity for for billionaires you know i mean <laughs> you know what i mean they i, I it's uh, uh, uh i know where you know i know where huntsman senior's money initially came from uh with uh, styrofoam and uh chemicals and things that perhaps were but he and it seems that that happens w- with people who make a lot of money and then all of a sudden go wait a minute what have what have we been doing here? Let's 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 make amends for this. And he or, got he had cancer. Yeah, and he he yeah. got cancer. Well, his, cancer, his wife got
1: cancer, recall. didn't she?
2: I don't recall that, but well, for some are, yeah.
1: for some reason it became very personal to him. Yeah. Well, then, I know he got cancer. Yeah, and then he started the mm-hmm. uh, cancer institute. Yeah, um, with the idea that we're going to we're going to fight this. We're going to find cures.
2: And it became and I, but I mean there then I think there's just integrity there that's... Uh, you know and then this whole thing with the University of Utah and we won't go into that but. Uh,
3: yeah. But, you know, but, you know you, 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 I don't know about the environmental impacts of Huntsman chemical, but I do know they're not union carbide. And anybody recall what that great American corporation did in India? Bhopal. Uh, yeah.
2: How many people died when the battery factory set out? A hundred thousand? hundred thousand. It was a lot of people, I know.
3: <laughs> but they made money off the deal. Yeah.
2: Uh so uh, you, you you I want now I want to ask about you and uh will and integrity anybody told you to stop doing what you're doing <laughs> because you 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 uh you show the you show the uh you show aspects of uh, LDS uh, history that people have not wanted to talk about
3: I, I and what what Mormons don't realize is Uh, They've got a very colorful and, in many ways, sordid and corrupt history. You could write a history of the Mormon Church and portray it as one big organized crime family. (laughs) Uh, Who started it? A money, a treasure hunter who never found a single doubloon for all the many, many holes he dug throughout upper New York State. But, well, he found, but he found some gold, some gold,
2: and he found some rocks, plates, and, and tr- rock heads. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. found a bunch of
3: rock heads. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he Brigham Young had a little murder incorporated running out here. Uh, Porter Rockwell, boy, Porter was a choir boy compared compared to the human hyena, uh, Bill Hickman. Oh, I don't know about him, but Hickman had a conscience, which it's very hard to find any others t- <laughs> in the Tell B'hoi us about. Tell us about Bill t- t- Hickman. Yeah, he is he. Uh, now, when you said that, and I said, "Well, there's a Hickman Arch down in Capitol Reef, I think it is." And, I just saw his course. name today. Is Richard Barnum Reese? Remember Richard? Yeah. Why do I know that name? He ha- he published a bunch of sports, uh, uh, sports magazines, and he was a sports writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was a Hickman great-grandson or something. Yeah, And he took me... I wrote a column on Bill, who was never called Wild Bill. He was called Brother Hickman. (laughs) (laughs) And what was his story? Well, he was a misunderstood frontiersman. (laughs) Uh, But he was also um, a confessed killer. His confessions... Um, called King of the Danites or something, is really an entertaining read. And it, in fact, if you track the history, it's pretty damned accurate.
2: Is he? Did he write it himself?
3: Yeah. Well, the Mormons claim, no, 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 no. And in fact, they published a, a, an apologia that Leonard Arrington had his name on. Leonard Arrington's a church historian. Yeah. But it was actually written by Hope uh, Hilton, maybe? One of one of Hickman's descendants, and in their version, the f- church, official church version was, "Oh, he didn't write it; it was all made up by uh, Baskin, or it was all made up by the evil uh, journalist who published the Report Reporter."
2: Wait, now listen, you you wrote uh, you, you mentioned the uh, Danites there, and uh-huh. kind of just went by that, and I kind of know what that is, but uh-huh. maybe explain to people
3: what the Danites were. Well, the Danites started in Missouri. I'm saying that right, aren't I? The Danites? Yep. Yep. The sons of Dan, Mm -hmm. the daughters of Zion. And it was a secret, quote-unquote secret, Mm -hmm. organization that essentially incorporated every Mormon priesthood holder in Missouri. And they all swore that they would do whatever the prophet told them, even down to murdering and the rest. Uh, and not ask questions. Uh, but, but it pretty quickly became clear that having a secret organization that winds up with its minutes published in the Missouri <laughs> by the Missouri State Legislature isn't a real good idea. No. So you want something more informal like a police department. Yes. And the Nauvoo police, the old Nauvoo police uh, under chief of police hosie stout (laughs) these guys are real characters they they're a bloodthirsty bunch and they brigham young adopts that and ships it to salt lake where the salt lake police uh, have a free hand to murder anybody that uh, gets in brigham young's way and they and they do now did that
2: happen with any frequency or just occasionally
3: only when it was needed. And only when it was necessary. <laughs> Porter Rockwell got well. He he was always drunk by this point.
2: Why did he become the most famous one? Just because of his image, or
3: uh, because he was he he grew up next door to Brigham Young. He was Brigham or no Joseph Smith's next door neighbor. The Rockwells were the closest family to the uh, Smiths, and. Port was, he was, I once asked Schindler, well, how big was Port? Because I always got the impression he was this big hulk, Yeah. Six foot. He, he now looked at me and said, and Hal Schindler wrote, Warren uh, Porter Rockwell, Man of God, Son of Thunder, and worshipped Port. And he looked at me and he said, he wasn't much... He wasn't any taller than you are, <laughs> and that ain't tall. <laughs> Not, <you know>. <laughs> but <laughs> and Hal uh, Schindler, who was
2: the TV critic for yeah. the Tribune for for the he, Tribune, yeah, for yeah. years. He, years he, he was a tall drinker, and, and he loved po- Porter Rockwell. Huh? Just, oh, oh yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> oh man. Uh, so, but has anybody ever come after you for the uh, uh, the? Stuff that you've written about uh, historically, Will?
3: Only corporate Mormons. And they, 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 they sicked their whole historical establishment on me and wrote a lot of... Um, <laughs> <laughs> to, to, Attacks. To,
2: to discredit what you'd written.
3: Yeah. yeah. But um, the facts best are, deal... Facts are facts, though, aren't they? <laughs> the best deal was Dennis Lithgow, who reviewed books for the Deseret News, wrote this screed... That appeared in September 2001, right after the book came out. Which book was it? The Blood, Blood, Blood of the, the prophet About the Mountain Meadows Massacre. Brigham yeah. Young and the Massacre at Mountain Meadows. And so, I have no doubt, but Brother Lisko, uh, who denounced uh, the book as a anti-Mormon pamphlet, mm-hmm. even though it's, <laughs> it's upwards of yeah. it's 50 pages or so. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he probably sold 500 copies, easy.
2: Oh yeah, I would think
3: so. I really. Uh, people ask me why I don't resign from the church, which I don't believe in. But uh, wait a minute, you're still, you're still a member. So is he? Well, yeah, I can't. <laughs> but yeah, they haven't excommunicated you. Uh, no, because they know who would profit from it. Who? 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 who who would they do an enormous favor to if they excommunicated you, it? me? Because you'd bo- your books would sell more, <laughs> and they're not doing me any favors, thank you. <laughs> but then they launch, and they announce this like two months before. That's
2: really weird. I never thought of that, but that's that's pretty bizarre.
3: If, it, if we if we if we well,
1: make a, mm-hmm.
2: make him a cause celeb.
3: He'll just sell more books, and we don't want
2: that. <laughs> they,
3: they only That's excommunicate weird. people they think they can hurt. What they are, they're just like Brigham Young, they're bullies. And they can intimidate anybody except somebody like me who doesn't have a job, doesn't have any visible means of support. Uh, and like two months before <laughs> Blood of the Prophets appeared, they staged this event at Mormon History Association. And it is a complete and total stunt where they are given the plenary session where they've got everybody in a room and they tell them, and the title was, what's what's coming from the historical department? Mm -hmm. And what they spring is that they have in secret been working on a book about mountain meadows that will set straight anything in the record that is not straight and this is at, just before your book came yep, out just yep. before and and they they got peppered with questions afterwards and they denied that my book had anything to do with it mm. but and and Ron Walker who was the primary uh, fraudster engaged in this <laughs> said. He somebody pull any said, punches. Does he? <laughs> no. uh, how much money? And he goes, "Oh well, I, we've been we've had all these people on it for six months, and I'd guess that we've probably spent thirty thousand dollars." Well, Ron didn't know his ass from the hole in the ground, and what they have in fact done since, ever since uh, they started it in October two thousand one, and it is still rolling off and they are still spending money on it. And I ran some numbers because I know how much it costs to do this stuff. And if they haven't spent $20 million on it. What? <laughs> well, now, yeah, Let me ask you this, uh, Will.
2: Uh, so uh, in a nutshell, and asking you to do something in a nutshell, I <laughs> sometimes maybe <laughs> it's uh, the wrong approach. <laughs>
3: I write 500-page books. <laughs> yeah,
2: in a nutshell, the Mountain Meadows Massacre... Uh, There, uh, the uh, some some Mormons down uh, at the direction of Brigham Young, and this would be your version of it, at the direction of Brigham Brigham Young, uh, there was some uh, so there was a wagon train coming through from
3: Arkansas,
2: Arkansas, and I don't know what uh, what what Brigham Young's bug with them
3: was. Well, they martyred Brother Parley, they'd killed Parley P Pratt for
2: (laughs) in in Arkansas.
3: (laughs) Uh, Right at the state line between Arkansas and Indian Territory.
2: And, 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 and he was sure that these wagon train people coming through
3: were the it, same ones who did it, or it, it didn't, didn't matter? It didn't matter. It didn't matter. And, and really, it, you could argue, what Pratt and Young did not get along. Okay. And that it was really the temple vows to avenge the blood of the prophets. Gotcha. And that uh, title comes from a recurrent phrase. Uh, Just as the documentary history I did with David Bigler, "Innocent Blood," and those phrases pop up throughout the. the So, so
2: they're coming. They get word they're coming through, and they direct uh, some members down in, uh, uh, it's down central part of the state, Cedar Cedar City, Cedar City, right around there. And uh, they say, uh, uh, "Get get them, Uh, stop them, do whatever you have to do," and they they dressed up as Indians. Uh, yep and yep.
3: and attacked them and killed them all well it's it's beyond that it's treachery they the, they the the immigrants the Arkansans, couldn't tell who was attacking them. they had an idea that there were some mormons out there because there were lots of Mormons and not that many indians mm-hmm. and um so John d lee shows up with a white flag lee's the a big mucky muck in Southern Utah, and an adopted son of Brigham Young, and he tells them, "Well, we're going to get, the, we're going to protect you from the Indians and take you back to Cedar City, and if you, but you got to surrender your guns, and you got to divide into three groups: uh, women and children, uh, wounded, and men." And the the men will be escorted out of the meadows. It was
2: just after the initial attack on them.
3: It's five days into this brutal siege. Yeah. And and lots of gunfire. Um, And what what Lee probably did was flash some Masonic
1: signals to him. I was trying to get too deep in the weeds here. So, anyway. Okay, but this is the the Lee who's the great grandfather of Mike Lee, our current (laughs) senator. It's a direct descendant. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Well, and snakes a lot. So, so, uh, so, <laughs> so, how
2: did, did 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 they kill all of them, all of them, or did some of them survive?
3: And why did they divide it into three parts? No, because of innocent blood. They they had all been through the temple, and they'd all sworn in the vow to avenge the blood of the prophets, but and many of them, like Lee, had had the second anointing, which made them. Uh, Guaranteed salvation unless they shed innocent blood. And so they wanted to sort it out so they didn't kill any innocent blood, which they did anyway. And they wound up with 13 children uh, over the age of six. Dead? Uh, There were 17 survivors. 17 survivors
2: uh, of the whole band. How many died in that? 120. Uh, at about so now the okay the reason I wanted you to so then but, but buy the book by the way I mean it really is a great story Blood of the Prophets mm-hmm. uh, Brigham Young and the Mountain Meadows
1: Massacre oh it's riveting and yeah, it's the whole thing all of it
2: and I and I and it's uh, you can go buy it at uh, Desert or not De- Ken Sanders I was kidding <laughs> Ken Sanders so. Uh, I'm curious, uh, and uh, because I know that the. Uh, However, though, uh, what? go into Desiree Book and ask for it because it will be funny.
0: Yeah. Just, go, just go to Desiree Book, ask for it. They'll say no, then no. go over to
3: Ken's. So, no, we don't have that. And they'll be very but, nice, hey, I'm sure. They're, but, they're capitalists. They yeah. may say, well, let me look under the desk. We could here. order. <laughs> yeah. no,
2: no, I'll tell you what they'll say. Well, we could order that for you. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, because, uh, that's but another story won't. that happened to me one time. I asked if they had a K- Stephen King book once. I, it's not, I was at the mall I said, I want Stephen King, The Green Mile, and they said, well, oh, no, we don't. We don't carry that, but we could order it." <laughs> and I said, "Well, that's okay. I'll go to a bookstore." So <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, so, but I, uh, I, so I'm curious as to. You, so you said, uh, forget the guy that was writing the uh, LDS. And see, the LDS Church, the, the Mormon Church, has act, has come around and acknowledged their role in this. And they, they, uh, they've done a, a, a monument and all of that down
3: there. But they've never apologized. Mm-hmm. They've never said to the Paiutes who they used in their cover-up, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> we wronged you and we want to we apologize and we, we want to make things right they've never done that and they never will and
2: i just but i'm curious as you said this so when word of your book was coming out the the a church
3: historian was writing their own account of it how did it differ it's all about clearing the skirts of the boss and it not only that because the lead-up is really murky um but it ends on September 12th, the day after the massacre. September, Conveniently. September 11th, by the way. Yeah, it was the first September 11th. That's odd. But um, <laughs> the, the real, like all crimes, it's really the cover-up that, that shows you what happened. Mm-hmm. And believing Brigham Young didn't do it is like believing that Richard M. Nixon didn't know what the plumbers were up to. Yeah.
2: So let me, let me ask you one other thing about the history, um, and that is it, it has been a lot of people's impression, has been my impression even, that uh, ch- ch- the church historians have started to become more forthcoming about the history of the Mormon church. Yeah, you're laughing at me like I'm an idiot here, Will. <laughs> well, have they started to become more forthcoming? Because
3: because, yes, because yes. so
2: much is out there yes. anyway, your book, your books. Uh, but, but you can just go uh, on the Internet and find stuff.
3: And, That's and, what prompted it. But, but more than that, in the, at the end, in the last few pages of Blood of the Prophets is what I think happened. And I say the church is on the horns of a dilemma. They can't get past this. Unless they open up their archives, uh, accept their cultability, and uh, repent. But what does... Uh, repentance is one of the, what, three principles of the gospel? I don't know. Anyway, it is. and You should know. And, and because, You're looking at me? <laughs> because <laughs> repentance requires... Confession and, and a promise not to do it again. And restitution, And restitution. Yeah, um, they're stuck. Yeah, um, but they did open up the archives and put all the Brigham Young letters that I couldn't see uh, online. So I'm very you, grateful. You wanted
2: them. access to them at the time, and though they used yeah. to have this
3: silly process where uh, you'd write, you'd request something. Do they
2: even let you in the door of the church history? Off, library yeah all that. yeah Did they say hi
3: hi will how you doing or yeah well in <laughs> fact rick turley and i uh, are the two leading experts on mountain meadows turley's now head of public relations mm-hmm. but we're very good you're on good terms, terms. Yeah, well we're friends that's good and it's like you know old-time politicians who would go in and denounce each other in the senate and then go play basketball now I real I got I'm going to read
2: that I'm going to read Blood of the Prophets. Is that you think that's your best your, your most well written book? No.
1: <laughs> okay, having read a lot of his books, I think it is. I mean, the narrative is great. It's polished. It's 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 gripping. Like I said, you can't yeah, put it down. Yeah.
2: It's a, it's a, well, it's a great story. So yep. it's uh, now I want to ask. Just go back to some other uh, thing here, and then we'll kind of start wrapping it up. Pat, you've been. Uh, su- very successful, really, in your career. Uh, prominent cartoonist. Uh, you're in a lot of other, uh, other papers around the country or have been. I'm, s- I'm syndicated, syndicated, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, syndicated.
1: <clears throat>
2: <worldwide. laughs> I just want, uh, wonder, and, and, and I, I'm not suggesting that there's a lot of money in political cartooning or anything <laughs> like that, but you've been successful. Mm hmm. Uh, and and will your you've written a lot of books and but you you say I don't have any visible means. Is there any rivalry between the two of
3: you at all? Do you
2: is there you know is there any?
3: No, we we, we did a book together, and uh, I I say my proudest
1: accomplishment is being Pat Bagley's oldest brother.
3: <laughs>
1: no, I'm I'm proud of everything my bro- my brother does. He's 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 a. He complains about not being as famous as he should be, which is absolutely true. Uh, but the stuff that he puts out is great stuff, and he knows he knows his stuff.
2: I wonder why. I think. See what well, you said. He's he complains about not being as famous as he should. I be. I really don't complain well, <laughs> that much. I complain. But well, by, being by broke. rights, he should be more
1: famous. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I uh,
2: and I wonder about that. I mean, because you did say, you said you mentioned those two historians that you were between, and you said. And they're famous, and I'm uh, i 'm not i don't know who the hell they are
1: but but a lot of it has to do with we're, we're we are born in the wrong generation because if will had been born twenty thirty years earlier, he would be a famous historian you know along the lines of these people that write histories of uh, John Adams and David McCullough yeah, he'd be like that mm-hmm. but the same thing is probably true with me uh, because the art of editorial cartooning is Has diminished. Has diminished. There are
2: not not that many people who do it anymore. When
1: I started almost 40 years ago, there were 300, 350 full-time cartoonists in the country that had a position with a newspaper. Now uh, I'm one of 40, you know, and I am the longest continuously employed editorial cartoonist in America. You know, I'm it. Uh, But, you know, I would have made a lot more money back in the day if I'd been syndicated. Yeah. You know, now it's I, I do okay. I get by. Yeah.
2: What? what you, take a break. Yeah, yeah. What, is there something you want to say off mm-hmm. mic? Is that what?
3: No, I want to go to the bathroom. Oh, oh. well, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. I think. Uh, if yeah, we're in an hour. It's okay. We're, I'll, I'll be back. We're, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we'll stay <laughs> <we'll, we'll, laughs>
2: here. Okay. It's your. It, uh, you, uh, go through those doors. Uh-huh. I get it. right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, there's one back there too. He'll, so he'll find. It. He'll wander until he. It'll be fine. He'll be like a pioneer wandering <laughs> the plains. To I was going to ask Will.
2: Does he have any kids? I know you have a. You have a couple mm-hmm. of kids. Yeah, he's
1: he's got a boy and a girl. Yeah. Uh huh.
2: And they're they're here in Salt
1: Lake. Yes. Yes. They're still in Salt Lake.
2: And I want to know about your uh, just just uh, briefly about your famous surfer nephew your uh what was his name uh, dusty pain dusty Payne. what a great name isn't uh, it it is uh now your sister uh in, in hawaii she has a
1: clothing clothing line, line. Which, mm-hmm. which
2: which is what pretty well known or what is it
1: uh it's well known on the island it's a uh, uh oh, something wahine i should i should know this mm-hmm. but it, look up what wahine and clothing line and it's that's and, hers and
2: then her uh son became a, a very well-known surfer huh
1: yeah yeah uh geez, I remember watching this, maybe listening to this podcast, no, I was watching this thing about how people become very good at what they do. And they were talking about, well, they they do this and they do that. And this guy started talking about these kids in Hawaii who would get together and they'd go surfing. And um, uh, Oahu, or they were on um, Maui. Mm -hmm. Maui had never produced world-class surfers ever. Mm -hmm. But these kids... They uh, skateboarded together, they surfed together, and they would critique each other. And they would watch surfing movies together, and they'd talk about it. Cool. And this guy in this TED Talk was talking about these kids. And he said, because they had this little community, and because they critiqued, critiqued each other, and because they were looking at all, all the stuff everybody else was doing, they produced, these kids, five world-class surfers. And one of them was my nephew. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Dusty Payne got us start doing that. And, um, you know, I knew him as a goofy, my goofy nephew. Mm-hmm. You know, but the guy's kind of a genius when it comes to physical sports.
2: And what does he do now? Is he still surfing? And
1: He's still surfing. Uh, he came down all with gone. type 1 diabetes, and that kind of threw him for a loop. Um, and he's trying to, you know, get back. Uh, he kind of lost his or I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he's still surfing, still going around the world. Um, and what a great life, huh? <laughs>
2: I guess he can make money going around the world surfing.
1: Well, and it's a weird little thing. If you get your picture on the cover of Surfing Magazine, they have to pay you so much. Or if you get shot inside, you know, in the in the inside spread, yeah. they have to pay you so much. And so my sister was kind of managing his career. And he was doing very well. He was doing okay.
2: Cool. That sounds great. That would be a great life. Oh, yeah. It is uh, It is weird that uh, just when you're go to go back to you talking about Cartoonist and being one now of 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you are the
1: longest. longest continuously, continuously employed yeah. editorial cartoonist in America. You, sh- you should be wealthy. You should be. If. if, if <laughs> you should be living. If the world were right. Yeah. We, yeah. And healthcare would be cheap. <laughs> well, Bagley's, uh,
2: thanks a lot for doing this. It was a lot of fun yeah it uh, it was a different aspect of your life than we talked about before and uh, i I always knew that well he's he's the same on microphone or off microphone isn't he oh yes he will yeah he, he's <laughs> hey by the way uh, you uh, uh did a you also recorded a record i read yeah uh, uh, is that available anywhere uh, do, uh, other than your house
3: Ken Sanders. <laughs> Really?
2: And yeah. how, how, uh, what's it called? I can't remember. I read it. I read about the it. The Legend of Jesse James. The Legend of Jesse James. A full length, every song related to, or is it one long song?
3: It's a song cycle.
2: It's a, a song cycle about Jesse James. And
3: it's got cow jazz on it. People forget.
2: I remember jazz. that band, Cow Jazz. They were awesome. Here in Salt Lake. I saw yeah. I saw yeah. them play at some, it was a converted supermarket in downtown Salt Lake. I forget the name of that venue.
3: Is in like Midvale? I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. And Jack Quest is still around, uh, reviving Johnny Cash. God, what
1: do you what do you do on the album? You,
3: I play Kachunk guitar and I sing a couple. I'm sorry, right? you
1: you wrote you wrote the song, right? I wrote Kachunk. The ka-chunk.
0: What what what's a Kachunk guitar?
3: A rhythm guitar. ka-chunk. ka-chunk. Oh. that's yeah. That's basically why. Okay, all yeah. right. You keep the beat. <laughs>
2: you try, yeah. And that, but that, that uh, what on a CD is that available at Ken Sanders? Uh, or is I I made a
3: thousand vinyl records and they're available at Ken? There's,
2: there, uh, they're still. You <laughs> made a thousand. Yeah, in 1970. <laughs> 1979, and there are still some available.
3: There's still about 1,000 left at Kansas. I'm down to my last. I actually, (laughs) I I think I actually (laughs) broke even on the project. After, after a number
2: of years <laughs> yes, yes Pat Bagley, uh, editorial cartoonist Salt Lake Tribune, Will Bagley a thorn in the side of the Mormon histo- the sharpest thorn in the side of the Mormon historical establishment uh, uh, get his book, per- uh, he, he's written many but it uh, uh, sounds like Blood of the Prophets uh, Brigham Young and the Mountain Meadows Massacre uh, that's the one you get at Ken Sanders and that's the one that read. thanks a bunch for both of you being here Appreciate it. Uh, thanks to Dylan. Pleasure. Thanks to Dylan. Yes, will.
3: I, I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath for Pat to get the Pulitzer. Could happen. <laughs> and if it was a dream come true, uh, I'm working on a three-volume history of the Oregon-California Trails, and
1: which could also win the Pulitzer.
3: Which could, at the very end of the, the trail, win the yeah. Pulitzer. But if we could win it together at the same year, that would be. Would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares if we're obscure and
2: poor? <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks uh, thanks to Dylan for producing the show. Thanks to 50 West for having us here. I'm Bill Allred uh, for the Let's Go Eat show. And remember, if you're pouring drinks, always make mine a double. <laughs>